Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new live episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and also available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Today is Friday, February 10th, 2023. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this usually weekly radio program. Uh, I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, at least for another few months. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matt Hill, sound engineer extraordinaire. Good morning. Good morning. And we've got a couple special guests joining us this morning. But before I introduce the guests, let's get a check of the weather, talk about a couple newsworthy items, and then we'll start the show. WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, February 10th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy with a high of 47. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 24. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high of 34. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more of the forecast and education, BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. All right, I hate to digress, but I just realized when we were on that break that WTBR changed our program logo. That's a different background that was up there on that one. We'll have to make sure that we update that in our files. Uh, a couple newsworthy items, and uh, th- these aren't necessarily in order of importance, but maybe order of interest. Uh, story from this morning's Berkshire Eagle. Uh, the federal extension of um, automatic health care benefits related to the COVID-19 pandemic is set to expire in March. And that means the Commonwealth is gearing up to have nearly another 200,000 people enroll in the Mass Health Connector uh, to meet the requirement that if you're not covered by Um, in this case Medicaid, that you have health insurance in the Commonwealth. And so uh, if you are currently benefiting from the extension of the federal health insurance uh, requirement or benefit and you don't know, check that out and make sure you get to the connector to re-enroll. In another important story directly uh, having bearing uh, in the city of Pittsfield and the Pittsfield Police Department, we are just about wrapping up the pilot study of our body-worn cameras. We had some developments last week uh, with uh, participation in a Commonwealth-accepted competitive bid process, so we get to select our um, preferred vendor without continuing the side-by-side comparison, so we can move forward with that. We've got some items going before the City Council next week to get that project moving forward, and we should be able to actually start the procurement process for all of the body cameras. faster than we anticipated and in a recent change at the request of the command um, in addition to asking for the funding for the body cameras we're going to wrap that up with an additional request for the cruiser equipped dash cameras we're going to do full uh full video implementation in one phase instead of two so um we're not sure how that's going to work out but that's what the ask will be and then in the next story and this one i just kind of a palate cleanser uh and when i saw the story break last night it, I'm sorry it made me chuckle because uh, it's not it's not a hilarious story but nobody got hurt so I feel I feel comfortable treating it with a little humor uh, so this tractor trailer got turned around down in South County coming out of New York uh, and it uh, went over an embankment and lost its load of course it was carrying a load of sausages and the headline was just hilarious I just you know I can't imagine being the first cop to show up on the scene and you've just got this truckload of sausages strewn across the roadway and down the embankment. Driver was okay. Uh, they got the truck out of there. Uh, RWs from down South County did what they always do. It's amazing. They come in and yank those heavy, heavy rigs with their heavy wreckers. Um, but yeah, I just, you, you roll up. How do you put that out over the air? So, <laughs> I don't know, right? I'm not going to say it. Okay, so joining us this morning in studio are three outstanding members of the Pittsfield Police Department. And in what, um, I, I, even even for me, was kind of a surprise move at the end of 2022, um, 
we were trying to get back to some type of balance and normalcy within uh, the Youth Services Bureau, which includes our school resource officer program. And Officer Jess Godfroy, our senior school resource officer, had, who was covering all four schools, all four secondary schools solo for a while, she made the pitch that she needed some relief and some backup, and she was just asking for one. Uh, and based on the call for service numbers that the patrol division was looking at where our day shift officers were going into the schools that were unattended, Captain Matt Kirchner, the patrol division commander, came and said, it's going to impact my staffing, but it'll actually be more efficient. I'll give you two. And so we had posted for one vacancy in the school resource officer team, but at the captain's suggestion, um, we decided to create two school resource officer positions. And so uh, as a result of that, we selected uh, Officer Ansi Jumo, who is uh, settling in since the beginning of January, and Officer Izina Dagenfried. Ah, so close. <laughs> the graph and read. I, the, I have to picture it in my head and sound it out. <laughs> the graph and read. Sorry, Izzy. I'll get it. I'll get it before July. It's it, Lytel was so much easier. <laughs> All right. So good morning. Thanks for coming in this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. How y'all doing? Good. So, um, school resource officer in 2023. I got to be honest. I think I know. Had this conversation with Jess. Uh, several times over the course of her tenure in the schools. I'm not sure that I shared this with each of you as you were going through the process. Over the last 27 years, I've had a lot of assignments in the department. I've, I've been blessed to do almost everything we do with the exception of a permanent assignment to Detective Bureau. And even that, I've been up there for short-term task forces. But the one thing I have never done is serve in the school. And when my when our former chief, when our chief asked me if I wanted a school assignment, I couldn't say no fast enough. Like, I, that is definitely not something I could do. I was a permanent sub for a couple of years before I went to the police academy. I am not cut out for that environment. So why? Come on. Why? Why do you want to work in the schools? I asked that seriously. For me, when I first started, the, this is my ninth school year in the Pittsfield Public Schools. Um, it was a good fit for my family at the time. I had a young child. The schedule was great. I had some level of interest in it, but I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, so over the past nine years, things have changed dramatically within the schools, obviously within the community and within society. And it took a little while, but the job is completely different than being a street police officer working patrol um but when i come in every day even when it's the worst day and there's a lot of things going on i have the opportunity to make impacts and relationships to change the course of our youth's uh cycle as they go out through the high school um and i just think that it's a really important job and i actually feel lucky that i get the opportunity to do that and take the time to do that because we don't really usually get the time when we're on patrol even when we engage with youth on patrol we don't have the time to do the follow-ups and meet the families and meet the friends and talk to the friends and give suggestions and do things outside of school um and we have that capacity here with sporting events and different programs the explorer programs you know some of the kids that i've dealt with over the years we were introduced to each other in a negative situation and then they ended up joining the explorer program and you know i kind of became their mentor and it was an incentive to do better be better um so i actually feel lucky i understand why most <coughs> people don't want to do this job um but I, I feel lucky and I enjoy it, being able to impact the youth um, in this unique position. How about you, Izzy? I w I've wanted to do this for a while. Um, I put in for the position a couple times. Uh, my main reason was just really to help bridge that gap with the youth and policing. Um, I'm a mother, I have three boys, so a lot of, the, a lot of the, the students that I deal with right now and that are inside the school that I'm at, I've seen them at the Boys and Girls Club. Some of them are friends with my children. So for me, 
moving from patrol to the SRO position, it was different, but not as challenging as I thought, just because I had already started to build connections with the youth in different ways that didn't even have to do with policing. So it was funny when I first stepped into the school because some of the kids didn't even realize that I was a police officer. Um, but that was, like just that, it's, it's rewarding. And then to see, like now when I go to the Boys and Girls Club, even if it's just to pick up my kids or if I'm at a game, the kids that come up to me and say hi and or just a simple wave or nod their head, just the acknowledgement. <coughs> and then it was, it, like I said, it was a little different in the beginning, just not, I was used to going to the station. I was used to being with my group of people. Um, I have my own office. I put some stuff up and even putting up some posters. I have a whole wall that's just donuts. And when <laughs> I, I realized that something as simple as that, when they walk past that office, they, they're now looking in just to see what else I've put up. Um, and because I'm at Taconic, especially there, the kids are looking for stability. They're looking for someone that they know is going to come in every day, is going to be there for them when they need them. And one, I met with, with two, two, I think they were juniors, two junior girls, and their biggest thing was just by me putting a couple things up in the office, I brought a couple plants. You know, I have a couple pictures of my kids, but for them that showed that I wanted to be there and that I was going to stay for a little bit. So I want to I want to comment a little bit about the the wall of donuts because right? I I've heard this right. It, <laughs> it's it got, terrible. It's but it's self-effacing, <laughs> right? And so like you're kind of embracing a stereotype. And that shows you're willing to laugh a little bit at yourself, right? You know, take, yeah. you know the students are saying it, <laughs> right? So you may as well just just accept it and kind of roll with it. And it humanizes you, right? Yeah. Anybody who can make fun of themselves that way, why not, right? It's, it's like a preemptive strike. Yeah. Did you hear about the unicorn? <laughs> I haven't heard about the unicorn oh, okay. yet. She's ha she has a unicorn on her wall I as have well. Two. I have to drive out there. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, AJ, Why? Uh, for me, the schedule was great. Get a little closer to your mic. For me, the schedule was great, and I've always wanted to be a school resource officer. To me, uh, it's all about safety, safety, and safety to ensure the student safety in schools. Uh, just recently, I had a student who came up to me and said that, uh, Officer AJ, can I talk to you for a second? I'm afraid to come to school. I'm afraid to go to class. And I pulled him uh, on the side, and he was talking about bullying. Uh, for me to have that platform that I can help a student who's afraid to, to come to school and go to class, to have that platform to help out and uh, to provide uh, perspective and, and to help uh, with the bullying and stuff. And to me, to have that platform is uh, basically it's gratifying. Uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to me personally and to make a difference in the lives of some kids because some kids have it tough and to carry myself in a manner that kids feel comfortable to approach me uh, uh saying i can't say no more uh, it's, it's great so so in my introduction to that question i, I kind of was um you know a little disingenuous because i that was a little facetious on that because you said it jess it is important right it's and i've said this in numerous communities it's possibly one of the most important engagement and relationship building opportunities we have in the department um you know we can we can do community events but those are they're one-offs right they're 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 shots in the dark when we get there we you know we they're on volunteer basis people go on their own time you work the schedule you're there you leave we don't even know necessarily for some community events if we're going to be invited or welcome but the school resource officer program, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to building relationships with your student bodies outside of the time when most people expect to see a cop. And, you know, we've, again, I've, I talk about this all the time. Mass, uh, Pittsfield is one of the 
first communities in the Commonwealth to create a school resource officer program. We've had SROs going back to the late 80s. Uh, and we've maintained that commitment for throughout that, through budget cuts, through personnel losses, we have maintained that commitment. Because not only is it good for you and the relationships you build with the students and, and you, you know future you know, adults who we will deal with as residents, um, it's good for the department. Right? You generate information, you generate leads, you generate intelligence. And uh, we, can't, we can't talk a lot about some of the, um, the more current cases, but I do want to talk about some of the, your stuff that's happened a little recently uh, and to kind of lead into this. So last week, I think it was last week, it was last week or the week before, I had to, I didn't have to, I had the opportunity to, I was happy to, sit through a briefing by the United States Secret Service and the National Threat Assessment Center. So NTAC is the group within Secret Service that tracks the history of school and workplace violence, active shooters, active killers. And they have developed um, pre-attack indicators and kind of the, the surveillance to try to stop things before they happen. And one of them is a multi disciplinary multi-agency threat assessment team which you know it does well, I don't think we necessarily have a formal threat assessment team but we have a threat assessment process in place that you're a part of particularly when it comes to the safety of the schools and just yesterday that resulted in a gun seizure right um yesterday the day before uh you know we are well prepared to investigate something that happens in one of our schools but we'd rather not, right? We would rather prevent it before it gets to that point. And by having you there and your students having these relationships with you and the faculty having these relationships, in that particular case, you know, a student said something to a teacher and a teacher had the wherewithal to do the right thing and get, make sure that information got to an SRO and that resulted in a home visit and we got a gun, right? Now, do we know that that gun would have eventually gone to the school? We don't definitively know that. But based on the case, it's a pretty good likelihood, right? And, you know, that's happened many, many times over the, the life of the school resource officer program. So AJ alluded to it. So talk about your role in enhancing school safety in your buildings. Uh, to me, it's all about uh, relationship building with the kids, with the staff. And if they see something, feel, uh, uh, to make sure that they feel comfortable uh, to pull me on the side of the hallway and tell me what's going on. And, uh, and you know, when that happens, for me to take the appropriate measure uh, to investigate that. So, are you finished? Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you know, we do talk about the relationships with the kids and mm -hmm. how that enhances the safety, being able to get information and mm -hmm. stop things before that they happen. Um, but what I have been working on with the uh, school safety coordinator Eric Lamoureux um, is training the staff, the principals, deans, and vice principals, um, and hopefully next year getting to the teachers. Um, because you can ask somebody, a room full of people, do you know how to change a tire? And most people will probably say yes. If you take that same group of people um, out to a car and say, change the tire, well, they might know the steps, but they're probably not going to know how to do it unless they've actually done it before. So you ask administrators, um, teachers, you know, what would you do? Do you know what you would do if somebody brought a gun to school? Or there was a threat of somebody bringing a gun to school or any type of threat to the building. Yes, we know what we would do, and they kind of go through it. But um, until they're actually put in that situation and they actually have to think on their feet with different scenarios, they start to realize that they're not always 100% sure how to handle something, and every situation is different. Um, and that if there isn't an SRO in the building, do they feel comfortable calling the police? And a lot of times the answer was no, because whatever little thing that they had didn't seem like a big deal, um, but it could be a big deal. And if there isn't an, a police officer there to counteract the threat or eliminate the threat, mm -hmm. then, and they're investigating it themselves, it can turn into a, a worse situation. Um, so we've had some really good conversations lately, and it's, it's not just about building the relationship with the kids. It's also building the relationship with the staff who now feel more comfortable and don't feel 
silly, for a lack of a better term, calling the police and saying, hey, so-and-so saw on Snapchat somebody talking about a gun three days ago from their sister, mother's cousin's uncle, you know? Um, so it's just, it's really, for safety purposes, um, giving them that opportunity when they wouldn't necessarily call the police with their minor issue that could turn into something huge uh, to have somebody to come to and report and know what those steps are and that it's that we're not going to treat it as, you know, something that we think is ridiculous because it's not ridiculous. Sometimes it is, and I, I'm happy. If I spend a lot of time investigating something and it turns into nothing, that's a great. I love that. That's a win. Um, but it's that one time that you don't investigate something small and it turns out to be something big. And it was interesting. We had a meeting on with the principals on um, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday in the morning. Um, and I said, we investigate every situation the same every single time. We take the same steps every t single time. If it's the first time with the kid or the 10th time with the kid or a kid mm -hmm. that we think has a problem or, you know, your honors student. It doesn't matter. We treat it the same every time. And everybody just kind of shook their head. Um, and then it was hours later that we investigated something the same way, not the first time, and we came up with something. And everyone kind of, I got a few text messages like, you know, you're right, that was right. Um, so it works. I would rather have something be nothing um, than not investigate something and have it be something. And Jess, you made a good point. It's all about timing. It's all about educating uh, the staff members uh, not to feel uh, uncomfortable to reach out to the department, to reach out to us, because time is the essence, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we talk about guns in school. Uh, if you see something, call the station, call myself, and if I'm not there, uh, so they can feel comfortable to call the station and not wasting any time, because every time, every seconds, um, could lead to something else. So, is you got anything you want to add? I mean, to put you on spot. <laughs> if anything, I'd piggyback off of what Jess said about your relationship with the staff. I'm lucky enough that being at Taconic, most of the staff were my teachers. Most of the administration, they were all my teachers. So, and they weren't just my teacher one year. Like, a lot of them I had sometimes two and three years. So... They knew me when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and now I'm an adult, but I had good relationships with a lot of those teachers when I was a youth, and now in the position that I'm in, I feel like it's a little, it might be a little bit easier because I'm comfortable with them, they're comfortable with me, so I feel like it's, it's, it might be a little easier for them to be like, okay, this is what I have. What do you think? Or even if I have something, I'm comfortable enough to be like, this is what I got. I, this is what I can do on my end, but I'm giving it to you also because something has to be done on your end. So for me at, at Taconic, it's a blessing because I'm close with a lot of my staff. So to follow up on all of this, actually, before I follow up on all of this, when we get off the air today, remind me, I have to tell you a story about changing a tire. Um, so <laughs> so uh, I don't want to call out any one of the schools or any particular people, but Jess, you've been, you've been doing some training, as you said. And one of the things that um, – we you're, you're always involved in doing the training, but one of the things that you kind of decided to make sure you included in this most recent round of training – stemmed off of a conversation that you and I had and it it talks to about the spare tire or the change of tire thing right because you don't know what you don't know and so you sent out an intelligence um, product mm -hmm. basically where a school discovered uh, what they treated as a replica firearm a, a toy essentially and they did it based on appearance and I think the statement was as soon as I saw it, I knew it was a toy. And you know, I'm a firearms instructor and an armorer. And I looked at that picture and I was like, I couldn't have cleared that as a toy unless I physically manipulated it, right? And so it took me a little while, but I pulled together some training items and sent you some pictures to show that 
appearances can be deceiving, right? We know from an officer safety point of view that there are functioning firearms out there that are made to look covert. They've been made to look like video game controllers. They've been made to look like squirt guns. And you certainly can't tell by looking at something if it's a functioning firearm. Our, our officer safety rule is a gun is a gun until it's not a gun. But that administrator reasonably believed that based on appearance, they could eliminate this firearm. And that could have been incredibly dangerous because that very well could have been a real gun. Absolutely. Um, so I think the training that you provide for the faculty and staff is critically important because to your analogy about the change in the car tire, you know, if we asked that administrator, is this a gun? He said, no. And well, I think we proved it definitely could have been. Um, so I had another thought that I wanted to bring up in the few minutes we have before station identification and it slipped my mind. We were talking about the training. We were talking about the firearms. I completely lost my train of thought. It'll come back to me. Um, so one of the things that I think we get the most bang for our buck out of with the school resource officer program, and Izzy talked about it a little bit, as you mentioned it briefly, is the fact that as an SRO, you kind of get the preference for what extracurricular activities you're going to cover right you can't obviously can't cover them all but you kind of get first right of refusal and so not only are you in the school during the day with your student bodies you're hanging with them at games and events and uh, dances and stuff like that so talk a little bit about the the additional time that you spend with your students outside of structured learning time some of the, my favorite things, obviously we have fun during the school day, but we really have fun at sporting events. It's one of my favorite things. From a security standpoint, um, I think the school department has been clear, the department has been clear that it's always a preference that you have a school resource officer because they know the kids um, and you're gonna deescalate a situation or know when something's going on long before because you know these kids' behaviors, you know their tells, um, you know the up and down and the back and forth to the bathroom and in and out and you, you can go and have a conversation with them where as a patrol officer might not be able to do that. Um, but those are the times that we, in, for me at least, that I enjoy spending time with the kids the most. I mean, I'm there to, to make sure that they're safe and most time they're not being knuckleheads. But um, if I'm not there, you know, I'll hear an ear furl the next day. Why, why weren't you there? You missed. That was the biggest game of the year. And unfortunately, my son plays sports too. So sometimes I miss things. Um, <laughs> I had a parent ask me the other day if I ever sleep. <laughs> because everywhere she goes, I'm there. Um, but that's one of the great, great parts of the job. And I really enjoy the extracurricular activities um, and being able to share those positive experiences with them. Some kids shine academically and some kids shine in other ways. And it's just nice to be able to support them um, regardless where their shining moments are. And it's literally an opportunity to support victories, right? To yeah. and sh celebrate victories. And we get to participate, you know, when teams come back from well, winning a championship. We get to escort them and we get to be there for those rallies and stuff. So there are other opportunities to connect and build relationships. Absolutely. What's your favorite sporting season? Basketball. <laughs> mm -hmm. Probably basketball. I do enjoy football, but I end up working a lot more during the football games than like actually working and having to, you know, chase kids around um, than basketball. But yeah, I think basketball. AJ? Same thing, because it's indoor. I was gonna say, I'm warm. I'm warm. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's a fair assessment. Football has been a challenge, particularly yes. with the moves in the field. Yep. Football has been a challenge. That that yeah. that is a there's a significantly different risk posture and threat assessment to an out outside football game to an indoor basketball game. Mm -hmm. But Pittsfielders love their football. So we'll do what we had to make it safe and protect it. Absolutely. It's a sporting event. You know what? At Wakona Park, there was one way in for the most part. There was one way in and one way out. So we yeah. could keep it pretty secure. And BCC is beautiful, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't want to go back. The field is beautiful. It's great for the kids. Um, but it is absolutely a security nightmare. They do need to finish <laughs> building the concession stand, though. Yes. That got yes. stonewalled. All right. I remembered what I wanted to talk about, but it's time for station break and station identification. So we'll get a couple seconds early. We'll go for another check of the weather and some PSAs. And then we'll come back and talk about other things that you don't know you don't know. Berkshire Weather. 
WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, February 10th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, with a high of 47. Tonight, mostly cloudy, with a low of 24. Tomorrow, partly sunny, with a high of 34. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more with the forecast and education, BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear, because we have podcasts. Type in WTBRFM.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, nine people are killed and more than a thousand are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, February 10th, 2023. We've been talking with the Pittsfield Police Department's school resource officers about why they chose this assignment and uh, some of their their favorite aspects of the job, how they make an impact. We spent a little bit of time about uh, the role of the SROs in providing some education and training to their colleagues from the school district in their buildings uh, and then I completely lost uh, my train of thought before we went to the break about something that uh, Officer Godfrey had talked about that I wanted to kind of illuminate for our viewers and listeners because it's probably not something most people are aware of uh, so you know we're we try to be pretty open and transparent about the tools and the resources that we have that are available to us, but we don't always share all of the details. Some of that stuff is operationally sensitive and, and we have to keep that and we can't always show our, our whole hand. But I don't think it's any secret after the last you know, 20 years in, in the history of our department, we work really, really hard to maintain good relationships with our state and federal counterparts. And that means we have access to some tools and resources that just wouldn't necessarily be available to a municipality our size in in other cases and some of that are like on the ground tools that we use that allow us to do detailed intelligence analysis of things like uh, pattern of life and social media history and stuff like that and some of that is just access to resources like the national center for missing and exploited children or operation underground railroad which is a nonprofit that is focused on um Human trafficking, particularly um, CSEC, uh, child sexual exploitation or commercial sexual exploitation, and so the having access to those resources allows us to kind of do some things in real time. So we had uh, a couple cases this week that I, I wasn't involved in working the cases, but I was reading the the updates as they came in, and I was able to, you know, kind of steer some conversation or point some people in the uh, direction. So in one case, we had some suspicious activity 
or an intruder uh, at one of our schools. And it, it was just weird, right? They weren't local. They're driving a rental car. We were able to establish a pattern of life where we knew where they had arrived and where they had rented the car. But then they had kind of disappeared. And, you know, we used all the traditional resources. But then I talked to the commanders and I was like, look, you know, make sure we run this guy through these other databases and make sure Intel works up a package on him. And we were able fairly quickly uh, to determine that it, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a legitimate threat, but we probably wanted to talk to this person because that was just weird. Um, you know, well, well, we'll go with weird rather than stupid. That was just boneheaded <laughs> behavior. But we could check, and we could check fairly rapidly. Uh, the other thing is, in the, in the case, where I said we, we got a gun uh, when, when the officers went and they found the bot container containing the gun. There was some other sketchy concerning stuff in there but we were able to access some special units uh from some of our counterparts in this case the state police and they were able to come in and alleviate our concerns that there might have been additional uh items and now we can kind of eliminate one path of concern or potential investigation because our partners can come help us and those are the types of things your teachers and administrators aren't going to know and they're not going to think to ask um, so having you there so that they can get access to these tools and resources uh, allows us to give them some peace of mind. But if they're not willing to call the station, if AJ's not in the school, we can't access those resources for them. So, All right. So we're growing the SRO program back, and we're doing it kind of in spite of a small but outspoken pocket that doesn't think we should be in the schools at all and that's odd because we've got this small vocal contingent saying that we shouldn't have personnel in the schools at all it leads to disproportionate policing it contributes to the school to prison pipeline and at the same time they're doing that the commonwealth came out with the police reform bill and said more Highly trained, better trained, better equipped SROs. And so, you know, we've got to comply with the state legislature and the CMRs that came out as a result of that statute. Um, and so, in, you know, until somebody decides to do something politically, we're almost obligated to continue to grow and improve our program. Right. You know, unless unless something legislative legislatively occurs that says we don't have to or we have to stop. So it's interesting to be kind of caught between these two competing dynamics. But one of the things that came out of the police reform legislation and the resultant CMRs is now not only do you all have to be certified peace officers by the Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission, you now have to have a separate specialized certification as a post-certified school resource officer. Your lives are complicated and hard. And yet you still show up and do this work with a smile on your face. We do. Just tell us what we have to do. <laughs> I'll do it, and I'll get back in there. They, they change things on us every year. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for nine years. A lot has changed in the nine years. It changes very frequently. What we can do, what we can't do, how we can do it, who we go to, um, laws. And it's not always easy to, to keep up with it all, but I think at least for me throughout these nine years, you know, change whatever you need to change, but my job doesn't change. What I do doesn't change right. because I have always, but even before you made these changes, I was always there for the best interest of the staff and the students and how can I help them and deter the situation from getting into the legal system. And that's really what people need to understand. I understand that maybe in other parts of the country that's not the case, but I can assure you here in Pittsfield, um, that that that's what we do here. I don't. My last resort is always getting a kid into the the justice system, into the court system. So um, they can change whatever they want to change, but it doesn't really change my job. I don't want to dredge up ancient history, and it doesn't matter. You know, it's moot, and uh, you know the the landscape of of how we do things is is already changed, and we can't switch it back. So. Um, not during the most recent district attorney's election campaign, but during the previous one, uh, which led to the election of the former district attorney, one of the big contentions was that we didn't, we locally, Pittsfield, didn't have a um, 
pre-adjudication diversion program. And we got really kind of offended and upset by that because we did have a pre-adjudication diversion program, a very robust pre-adjudication diversion program, except it was almost, it, it was kind of being done by friendly agreement between the department and the juvenile court and the clerks of the court and it wasn't result and and we did it deliberately because it was resulting in absolutely zero paper trail right there wasn't going to be any indication on that child's board of probation record that they'd ever been uh, you know subject to our investigation and you know data matters and, and and records matter and so the contention was that if we weren't tracking it then we couldn't prove its existence well we can prove you know we have our reports we can prove the kids we didn't we charged but didn't arraign uh, and that didn't fly so they changed it and so now we still have a diversion system but now the child has to be brought to court and and kind of turned over to a prosecutor to be diverted and like that's just worse right we were handling it in a more in a more private and and less formal and less traumatizing way and you made it worse um okay you know so now we we partner with the da's office to divert and still try to avoid but there's going to be an entry somewhere right that there's something's gonna and that stuff follows people so um but that has always been that has always been our practice is to try to minimize the contact between your student body and the court system uh, and we'll continue to do that whatever rules and parameters they put around us but the other part of that is that we have always required and this goes back to before i was a cop we've always required that our school resource officers be specially trained um, and we use the national association of school resource officers and kind of their like basic program as as our um, standard but one of the things that came out of police reform is you gotta gotta train a school resource officer before you put them in the school and honestly i was reading that legislation both before it passed and as a post commissioner i'm like are there departments that don't do that and then the reality was we found out there are departments that don't do that and as jess said you can look at some of the unfortunate cases that have come from other parts of the country including some of the video and you're like why is that cop in a school Right, I mean that that cop belongs on a suppression unit. <laughs> that is not somebody that should be in a school environment. But we work really hard to select people that are going to be a good fit for the school and to make sure they get the training they need. And the training for a school resource officer is different than the training for your average line level police officer. Right, it's all the the law and all the de escalation and all the officer safety techniques. But you have to have a lot of knowledge about adolescent development. Uh, you know, social emotional learning. The adolescent brain isn't fully developed. I think I talked about that the last time I was here. Until when? <laughs> Twenty something. I 25. think. Twenty five. Wow. Twenty five. The adolescent <laughs> brain is not fully developed until twenty five years of age. And so that's an interesting aside because one of the debates we had uh, with the post commission when we were talking about the guidance for dealing with juveniles is so we're like, well, you know, we have to set the age and is it going to be, do we set it at 17? Do we set it at 18? So we'll set it at 21. And I piped up and I was like, we all know, and Dr. Bluestone will say it's 25. And they're like, we can't set it at 25. I'm like, no, you absolutely cannot. You cannot tell a police officer on their own in the middle of the night that they got to figure out if this large adolescent is 17 or 25. You can't, you, there's just no way to do it. And they understood that. But Dr. Bluestone piped up and she said, I just want to remind all of you that these departments are hiring officers who are 21. So, you know, our, our recruits who are going to the academy they're still technically in the developing brain stages, right? They hit the street at 21, 22, 23. They've still got growth and maturity going on. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said about delaying the hiring of our personnel until they're in their mid to late 20s and they've got some work experience. Um, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. Mm -hmm. So now the the requirement is that within a short period of time after being placed in schools we got to get the school resource officers trained to at least that minimum standard for right now it appears that the commonwealth is going to accept nasro as as that and it'll become the gold standard so we're already there no no big deal there's a requirement for some periodic retraining so there's some specialized in service that goes with that but i think for me the biggest change 
that has happened, and this wasn't as a result of police reform. This was actually as a result of the attorney general's memorandum that predated police reform, uh, is I can't select an SRO internally within the department anymore. The decision has to be made jointly between me as the chief of police and the superintendent. Uh, there's there has to be an opportunity for uh, faculty and staff from the impacted school to meet the candidate before the orders are cut. And then the second thing that's a change is that within a very short period of time after making the selection and cutting the orders, you all have to hold a meeting with the stakeholders for your building, right? You have to sit down and meet the students and meet the parents kind of before you actually move in and settle into your office, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, and I can't find fault in those additional requirements. It just makes sense if you're going to embed somebody in a community that they should be introduced to the community. So the law changes, and like Jess said, we change with it. But the role doesn't change. The day-to-day -day work doesn't change. I think the school administrators certainly appreciate, um, you know, sometimes when this all these changes were happening and all the discussion of should there be police officers in schools, I had administrators say, well, if you asked me this when so-and-so was here, I probably would have said no, but if you're asking me if it's you and you're going to be here, then the answer would be yes. Um, so that's why I think, you know, it's a great addition to how we select um, officers, not just by their desire and, you know, what chief thinks is good, but also the administrators that they kind of give their sign off. I mean, realistically, we're working with them day in and day out. We don't work for them, but we work with them. You're in and, their building. And, you know, for me, they're some of my best friends now. Um, we do things in school, out of school. So that relationship is really important, that acceptance. There would be nothing worse than an officer, you know, that maybe shouldn't be there to go in and not get along with their administrators or not have any interest in building a relationship with their administration or faculty because um, it's just, it's counterproductive. Um, so th I think that was a great addition. I think we kind of did that before, but it certainly gives the school a voice if there's, you know, if there's a problem or something that that needs to be addressed um, that maybe wasn't as upfront before. So you, we have two of you in the high schools, and AJ, you're kind of bouncing back and forth between two middle schools. <laughs> so uh, for now, yeah. for now. Um, so I'm just going to do kind of like a, a quick uh you know, round robin. Okay. We'll start with Izzy. What's your typical day look like when you get up to the high school? When I get up there, well, I get there at 7, and I usually put myself in my office, and then, oh, I usually go out and I stand with, um, what is he? Oh, gosh. Ryan Saborn. I can't think of what Ryan does. Vice Principal of Teaching and Learning. I knew it was something great. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I usually stand outside when the kids come in because I, I think it's important for them just to see that you're even there. Because if you stay in your office, sometimes they don't even know you're around. A lot of, a lot of the students, um, they knew I was there because I walk around. Every single hour I make it a point to get up and walk around the school mainly because Taconic is new I went to old Taconic so the new Taconic is a lot bigger there's a lot more rooms a lot more doors and spaces that I don't know so my biggest thing with the school was I was a little uncomfortable and intimidated by the size of it and I didn't even know that it was three floors so it is <laughs> and so mainly like my day-to-day -day, I do what I need to do inside my office, but for the most part, I walk around that school all the time. Um, when it's lunchtime, I'm always out there with the kids. I mix and mingle. If I see a couple kids sitting by themselves, I don't know, I'm a talkative person. I have and a bubbly mom. personality. <laughs> yep, I'm a mom. I have no problem mixing and mingling, and just I go up to them, I sit with them, we'll chat. If they don't seem interested, I still hang out. Um, but my day-to-day, -day, I just, I walk around, I get to know the school, 
I've met a lot of students, even some of the ones that stay in the hallways more than they're supposed to. I've really got to know them. Um, but that's really my day-to-day. -day. Whatever they need me to do, I'm there to help out. But I'm, I'm always on the move. I can't sit still. That's just how I am. So I'm always up moving around looking to see what else I can find. Because like I said, that school is still fairly new. And it's new to me. So that's what I do. I mix and mingle with the kids. Wander around the school and hope you don't catch a case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, what's your typical day look like? Um, typically, I come in in the morning. I put my lunch in the refrigerator. I usually try to check in with one or both of the other SROs just for a morning check-in. Um, and then in the center of PHS, there's a circle in the floor. Um, when you come in the lobby, it's kind of like a star or whatever. Um, so I stand there with the other administrators, school adjustment counselors. Uh, we all kind of meet as just before the kids come in, address anything major that's, you know, happened overnight or spilling over from the day before. Um, and then we stand there and we greet every student that walks in. Uh, one, they see you're there, and two, you get to engage with them a little bit. If they keep their head down and don't say hello, then I usually yell and embarrass them and scream hello, good morning, how are you? Maybe I even walk them to class. Because you're also a mom. Because um, I'm also <laughs> a mom. Um, but that's an important part of my day because you also see the kids that usually come in bubbly and their heads are down, or you can just kind of tell something is off and, you know, one of us will pick it out and decide who's the person that's going to go address it. If it's something that somebody that I have a relationship with, the my <coughs> kids or one of the school adjustment counselors kids, then they take it. Um, but we can kind of catch things right when they're coming in the door to, to set us up for a good day and get us on the right path. Um, so mornings are probably the most important time um, of the day. And then from there on out, I'm usually getting calls from other schools, <laughs> the station, um, and or the school adjustment counselors with things going on that they want me to get in on and address. I have very little downtime these days. Um, <coughs> it's getting better with one school. I am very grateful for, for the other SROs. But... Um, I don't get to walk around as much as Izzy does. I used to, um, but I, I tend to keep a full plate at this point um, with the, the training and the extra stuff that I do. So um, I make it down to lunch. I show my face at lunch. Um, now, with Pittsfield High, you still have kind of a unique challenge that isn't present at the other schools because mm -hmm. you still have open campus lunches. Yes. And yeah. it, this still boggles my mind. When is the first lunch period for a high school? Um, this year, I think it's 11.19. Oh, that's later. Yeah, it because is Because it was later. as early as like 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this year it's 11.19. Because we only have two lunches. One year we had three lunches, and that's what, that was when, uh, I think, a COVID year. Yeah. And so, from just after 11 to when? When, when would lunch periods uh, be over? 12.48. And that's just upper class? Um, so it depends. It's by floor. Or okay. Are you, the, you can go out yep. after, you can go out at the end of your freshman year, I think at the halfway point, okay. if you're behaviorally, they kind of give you the, the go ahead to go out. Um, so everybody can go out except for the freshmen until they can prove themselves that they're, uh, responsible enough and that's a huge responsibility and safety risk and a lot happens out there um, which is another reason why it's it's so important to have those relationships because the kids will call they'll come back and tell you what's going on or what happened or you know the suspicious vehicle or whatever um, but yeah so there's the two lunches the first one is uh, about 11:20, and then the last lunch ends at 11:48, i believe 1148 or 12 oh, I'm sorry 1248 yeah. so for yeah. just just over an hour and a half you've got mm -hmm. several hundred students yep. outside of your school in our tightly congested downtown area yes yes we do <laughs> <laughs> using the crosswalks I'm sure mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and then you've got some unique challenges around dismissal and pickup just because you're on East Street and yep. it's tight yeah yeah they um, they put up put up the fences to try to corral the kids from from crossing but it's a busy place i think people not 
they get used to it over the summer being able to use E Street, but they, I think they try to deter themselves from that congestion. Um, we make it, make it work. Luckily, I'm going to knock on wood if there's any wood here. Um, <laughs> we've been very lucky with, with, um, <laughs> yeah, them making it out of the school across the street. And, and that's obviously, that's something that has come up with the community. I think we had three times in one day, some pretty significant, um, motor vehicle accidents versus pedestrians. So, you know, that's always something that I'm, I'm concerned about with Pittsfield High School. And AJ, you got to travel between two schools. So what's your typical day like? Well, my answer is not going to be as profound, <laughs> profound as Officer Guidefoyd because of her nine years of experience. <laughs> uh, I see things when I approach a little bit different. Uh, when I come to the school, 7 o'clock, usually I get there. Usually I go to Herbert. Uh, I usually hang, out, hang around outside the building, uh, making sure the doors are locked, nothing odd uh, behind the doors. I walk around outside making sure when the kids come, when the buses, the school bus is dropping off the students, making sure that no one's leaving the school ground and, and turning back on, on the way home. Uh, once that's completed around 7 o'clock, I usually head down um, in the hallways, making sure everyone's going to class and just look around and talk to the staff. Uh, trying to get any updates um, because I shared those, those two schools, making sure nothing hap happened, and I'm in the I'm in the known. Uh, if anything happened the previous day, and I wasn't there, I was at the I was at the other school. Uh, that's about it. And when I switch to the other school, usually is read. Uh, I do the same thing. I drive around the back of the school, making sure no packages are behind the doors. The doors are locked. Everything is secured before I proceed inside and check in with staff and um, trying to make sure everything's okay, make sure I'm in the need to know if something uh, took place and vice versa, uh, share knowledge, information and stuff. All right, reverse order. AJ, what are you looking forward to the most in the rest of the school year? Uh, I would say continuity. Continuity? Uh, yeah, that would be the big thing. And my goal as a police officer or school resource officer has always been the same thing, uh, trying to give everybody my time uh, if needed, no matter how busy. So, Jess, what are you most looking forward to? Um, I'm still playing catch-up from going from four schools to one, so I'm hoping and looking forward to by the end of the year being all caught up with everything and having more of a routine um, every day that's a little more fluid. All right. Awesome. Izzy, what are you looking forward to the rest of the school year? Continuing to build relationships with my staff and students and more donuts and unicorns in my office. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody mentioned any, like, end of the school year events or activities. No proms. Oh, no. yeah. I'm going to prom. <laughs> with Jess. You're yeah. going to prom with Jess? <laughs> with Jess. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can do walking together. Oh, that be nice. It's so pretty. In your class A's. Yes. We'll get pictures. Yes. <laughs> I've actually, one year I considered not working it just so I could walk in with them, like all the teachers. I get a little jealous. The teachers get to dress up and, you well, know, I'm can, still there in my uniform. Uh, Officer Quetty, when he did it, he didn't wear a uniform. He wore a tuxedo and that was acceptable. You're authorized playing clothes. I can wear a dress. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful how you answer, <laughs> Chief. This is probably something we should talk about. <laughs> it is something we should talk about because I want you to be careful about what you ask. <laughs> All right, so we have a couple minutes left. We try to usually wrap up on a highlight. Lieutenant, you have been quiet all morning. Plans for the weekend? Uh, no idea yet. This weekend snuck up fast. I get it. I get it. AJ, plans for the weekend? <clears throat> Uh, I'm probably going to be at the big Y, working <laughs> <in> detail. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> that's, uh, that's about it. Jess, plans for the weekend? I have some volunteer work uh, that I signed up for and basketball with my son. Izzy, plans for the weekend? Basketball with the boys. All right. I, uh, I am hoping, as always, to spend a little time on the mats. I think I'm getting cl back close to the time where we've got a stable morning routine when I might be able to start coaching the kids' jujitsu class again, get out of the house a little bit earlier. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Got to 
gotta pick up some debris from that last windstorm there's a lot of stuff down in the yard but it's gonna be a little bit warmer i'm trying to figure out if we can swing the timing we've got a small crew of uh of our personnel playing in a recreational pond hockey match on saturday they asked for permission to represent the department so we got uh, sergeant murphy officer horn and a couple other guys who are going to play in a four-on-four hockey tournament down in sheffield on saturday i'd like to try to sneak down and watch them um other than that just quality family time so you've been tuning in to another new episode of on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm simulcast on pittsfield community television available on all of your popular podcast platforms thanks for tuning in Tune in again next week. I'm not sure we'll be live, but if not, we'll have a pre-recorded episode. And until then, be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.